The title of my message is Trust in God in the Dark. And the text tonight is, as you see there, Psalm 77, verses 1 through 20, and Habakkuk 1 through 3. And uh, we'll try not to read all that scripture, but if the Lord so leads, we'll go there. But uh, anyhow, let's look into Psalm chapter 77. And the Word of God says, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and He gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah, thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever, and will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. And I said, this is my infirmity, but... I love that word, but... And I said, this is my infirmity... But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember the wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Well, we could all say that. Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast... With thine arm, redeem thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. The waters saw thee, O God. The waters saw thee. They were afraid. The depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of the thunder was in the heaven. The, the lightnings light, lightened the world. The earth trembled and shook. Thy way is the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou ledest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, dear Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity. Lord, as unworthy as I am to, to be able to preach your word. And Lord, we know that I may not be worthy, but I know that you're worthy. Thou art worthy, Lord. And we thank you, dear God, for all that you do for us and every blessing you bring our way. And as we, um, as we come before you tonight and to preach your word, I pray, dear Lord, that you'd put your hand on everything that's done. I pray, dear God, that you'd fill me with your spirit and anoint me with your Holy Spirit to preach your word, dear Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, for, for what you're going to do and what you're going to accomplish. And I pray, dear God, that you would just... Uh, uh, do those things, Lord, that we can't do. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us tonight, that you'd take your word and put it in our heart, help us apply it to our life. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd help me preach with boldness and liberty, dear God. Help me to just, help us all, Lord, to draw close to you and allow you to do the work that we need to be done in, in our hearts and in our lives. And dear God, I, I was thinking about this thought today, Lord, I pray, 
Lord, that you'd help me to preach tonight as if it'd be the very last time I ever get to preach. Lord, I want to bring glory and honor unto you. And I pray, Lord, that you would get glory, the glory that you deserve, dear God. And I pray, Lord, as, you, as we open up the bread of life and share the word of God, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us and do a work that will not get over till the Lord Jesus Christ comes back to get us. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for all that you'll do and all you'll accomplish. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. And so as we look here and... and uh, you know, I was kind of struggling at first, um, and, uh, you know, the Lord led me here, and, of course, I was looking across the page, I was looking at a lot of different places, and, and just begging the Lord for a message, and, and, uh, because I, and I was praying and saying, Lord, uh, I don't want it to be my message. Lord, I want it to be your message, and whatever you want me to preach, Lord, that's what I want to preach, and I want to be obedient to your Holy Spirit, and that's what I, I feel tonight. But as I was looking, as I said, uh, I was looking uh, about a week ago, I guess, I was looking in a lot of different places. I was looking at uh, over there in Job where it talked about how uh, God blessed Job when he prayed for his friends. And I thought, boy, that's a, that's a great message. And, and then I was looking over here across the page from where we are now at uh, Psalm chapter 78. I remember, uh, and I've, I've looked at this verse many times, and of course I never want to preach a, a message that... Uh, that God had given another man. But I think about uh, Harold Seitler down was in Tabernacle Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina. Of course, he's been dead for quite a few years. And he preached a message on can God. And he said, can God? And he said, God can. And I thought, Lord, is this where you want me to go? But then he had me look across the page. And boy, I'm glad he did. I appreciate the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit as he leads us and guides us and directs us uh, through all truth, and, and I appreciate the Lord for, for His mercy and His grace. And so as we look at this, as I said, the, uh, which is up on the PowerPoint, but you can read it that, but, but it's the message that the Lord has led me to, and I changed this title about four or five times, but uh, the title of the message is Trusting God in the Dark. And I want to look tonight, I want to look here at Psalm 77, and I wanted to read that, Lord, we're not going to go there yet because we we'll want to go into Habakkuk and, and, and look at the things that the Lord has given me for this uh, message tonight. And uh, we'll try to get out of here before midnight. But, uh, but anyway, I was just kidding about that. But, but you, know, when, you know, every time a preacher says he's getting ready to close, you know he's lying. But, uh, but anyhow, the message is called Trusting God in the Dark. And I thought about this. I thought about all the things that Sometimes we go through and sometimes uh, we, we, and I'm probably getting ahead of myself a little bit, uh, but I want to let God be God tonight and, and, and take us where he wants us to go. But I thought about this. I thought about there's many times in our life that we reach a place and sometimes uh, it seems like all is dark and it just seems like there's times that, that uh, we're crying out to God and and sometimes God, um, I mean, He hears us. I mean, don't get me wrong. God hears us. And God hears and answers prayer. But sometimes it seems like it's silent in our life. But I think a lot of that is because of us. But, uh, but then I, I, I thought about those things. And, and then I was looking here, over here in Psalm 77, as it tells us the notes that are in our Schofield Bible. It talks about, uh, and this is... Um, this is to the chief musician 
to Jeduthun. It was it's a psalm. It's a psalm of Asaph, and I was looking at that, and and so I want to give a little introduction there, and we'll go into Habakkuk, and then we'll come back to uh, Psalm chapter seventy-seven. But as we look here at Psalm seventy-seven, and like I said, it's a it's a psalm of Asaph, and. Uh, but Asaph was a, a Levite. He was a, from the Gershonite family, appointed over the service of praise in the time of David and Solomon. And you can read about that. We won't go there tonight, but you can read that in 1 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 5, and 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 12. But he led the singing and sounded the cymbals before the ark and apparently set up a school of music, as it tells us in Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 44. But there are 12 of these psalms of Asaph. Psalm number 50 and Psalm 73 through 83. And this Jeduthun that it says here that this was, uh, uh, this psalm was to Jeduthun. And, uh, and Jeduthun was a, a Levite and a chief singer and instructor. And David had set him over the praise in the tabernacle, according to 1 Chronicles chapter 25, verses 1 through 3. For sake of time, we won't read these verses. But then you can look at those later. But then also we, you know, as we look at here at, the, at uh, Psalm 77, we don't know exactly when Psalm 77 was written, but the best guess or the best estimation that's been, um, been said in the past is that it was after the Assyrian invasion of the northern kingdom and about the time that Jeremiah was prophesying about the Chaldean, or is called Chaldean, but also Babylonia. It was a Babylonian empire, but they're also known as Chaldeans. It was kind of interesting because when we were in Michigan, a lot of the people from Iraq have come to the States, and they refer to themselves as Chaldeans. And of course, that's right in the middle of where Babylon was. And, uh, but as we, as we look at this, uh, we think it was that when this was... Pen when Asaph was was writing this psalm, that it came after the Assyrian invasion of northern king of the northern kingdom, and and at about the time that Jeremiah was prophesying about the Chaldeans or Babylonian invasion of Judah, and so it was at this time that there arose a prophet by the name of Habakkuk, and so Psalm seventy seven, um, as I read was born out of, as we look at this, and we look at what Asaph has to say and how, you know, Asaph was in a deep place. He was actually in a dark place. And he was crying out to God and trying to get a word from the Lord. And it just seemed like it was dark. And it just seemed like he was, he was burdened. Of course, he was burdened for his people. But so we see in Psalm 77, was born out of a grieved spirit of a Hebrew, Asaph, who was very much aware that God was about to punish Judah, much as he had Israel. And Asaph was burdened and brokenhearted for his people. He was overwhelmed with sorrow and struggled for an answer from God. I think we could all relate to that. There's times in our life that we, we struggle and we need to hear from God. It's not that God doesn't hear us, but maybe sometimes God's timing is not at that moment. And maybe... Just maybe it's because God has something He wants to teach us. Something that we need to learn that only by going through those trials and those tribulations and those struggles is He allowed to speak to our heart and show us and help us to grow and draw up close to Him and be all that He would have us to be so that we can do all that He would have us to do. But uh, 
But Asaph was looking for an answer from God. And so as we consider this psalm and what Asaph was going through, it helps us to look at our own situation and how we should respond to what is going on in our life when we feel defeated and don't know what to do. And so we could all probably, uh, I think, relate to that. And we just... uh, But as we look at this and we look at what Asaph was going through, and you know, it's amazing how God works and how God allows us to look at a place like Psalm 77 and see what Asaph was going through and how he had a broken heart for his people and for all that was going on and knowing that the, uh, the Babylonians were getting ready in the future they would be coming to, to invade the land, invade Judah, invade Judah. I'm getting my tongue tangled. But to, and he was brokenhearted at his people and what they were going through, and because of those things, and, and he was just reaching out. And he, he was he was suffering for their sake, and and he was just trying to get a hold of God, and and he wanted to get a hold of God that got a hold of him one day, and that's what we need to do. We need to get a hold of the God that got a hold of us one day. When One day back there down the road when the Holy Spirit of God came our way and showed us our lost condition and showed us and, the, and He convicted our heart and showed us that it was the Lord Jesus Christ we needed to get to. And so we, you know, as we look at, um, as we look here over in, in Psalm 77, uh, it's amazing how God, and of course God does use His Word to touch our heart and to show us what he'd have us to do. You know, long, long time ago, and some of y'all probably heard this, but I heard this, that the, the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and make the child of God look like the Son of God. And boy, that's what we need to do. Amen. We need to draw up close to God, and we need to look more like the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, every day. Every day, I want to be closer to God than I was yesterday. And... and, and and tomorrow, I want to be closer to God than I am today. And, but, but, but I love the way the Lord will take a verse or take a book in the Bible and to direct us and show us and to, and to say and get us. You know, most time, you know, God just, the problem is God is speaking, but maybe we're not listening. And we need to, to heed what God would want to say to us. And so, and as I was looking, I was reading after... Um, uh, which I do quite a bit after John Phillips, and he makes a comparison. That's why we, it took me over to Habakkuk as well as Psalm 77. But he was making, he's making a, a comparison, which we'll see this here in a minute. But, but um, John Phillips makes a comparison between Habakkuk and a, between Asaph and, and um, this that was going on here in Psalm 77. But as we, if you would, just turn your Bibles into Habakkuk. And so, as we look at the book of Habakkuk, uh, it's, it's commonly believed that the Habakkuk probably prophesied in the latter years of Josiah, but also there's been some other opinions that he, he was ministering and, and prophesying possibly as early as Manasseh or maybe as late as Jehoiakim. But as we look at Habakkuk and look at his life, he was a contemporary of Jeremiah and they were both prophesying about this Babylonian invasion that was, was about to happen. I'm not sure how many years ahead that it was going to happen, but they were both prophesying it, and they were, they were um, contemporaries of each other. And, but 
not very much is known about Habakkuk as far as Habakkuk himself, the man Habakkuk, but other than his name, which means to embrace. And I thought about that. I thought, man, what a blessing that Habakkuk's name means to embrace. And we think about how we need to embrace God and allow God to work in our hearts and work in our life. But I thought, what a blessing that is. I'd never seen that before. But as we see that, but as the fact that Habakkuk's name means to embrace, but this tells us a lot about the character concerning Habakkuk's relationship and testimony to Jehovah, as we see in the book of Habakkuk from chapter 1, verse 12 to chapter 2, verse 1. And as we look at that, for example, in Habakkuk 12, 1, Habakkuk was speaking to the Lord, and he said this, he said, Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine holy one? And so Habakkuk was, was interested, he was concerned really about the holiness of God and the, and the sovereignty of God. And he loved the Lord and, and he, was, he, he wanted to be all that God wanted him to be. But then as we look over here in Habakkuk, we see um, in these three short chapters, of Habakkuk, we see three things. We see that Habakkuk had a burden, he had a vision, and he had a prayer. As we look here, uh, we see Habakkuk's burden in, in chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 2, verse 1. And really, uh, you know, Habakkuk had a, a burden. First of all, he had a burden for his, the people there in Judah because he, he, he saw the sin that was going on around, around Judah and, and he... He was, he was, well, he was just burdened. That's the only way you can put it. He was burdened about the people and how the sin that they, they, were, they were, had got away from God and he was burdened about their sin in their life. <coughs> and, uh, and but then, then the Lord told him that, well, Habakkuk knew, the, well, the Lord told him that he was going to send the Chaldeans to judge the sin of Judah. And Habakkuk knew that the Judeans were wicked and they had to be punished and their sin judged. But his problem was this. His problem was that the Chaldeans or Babylonians as they're known, that God would use to chastise them, were worse. they were actually worse than the Jews. And so in, in uh, Habakkuk's mind, you know, and the Jews, they were God's chosen people. But God's answer to Habakkuk's problem was that the Lord, that he would use those Chaldeans to judge Judah, but then when they had served his purpose, he was going to destroy them as well. And so God has done that over in, the, in times past. He's used nations to judge others. And then, you know, we think about the situation we're in now, and we see all this thing in Israel and, and how our southern border is seems like it's wide open. And you know, we could be in that situation real easy where there could be some groups, some terrorists and people like that that maybe got in, that got, they got past and, and nobody realized who they were. And we could have people, God could send a group of people here to America that would judge us just like He was sending people after Judah to judge their sin. And so we're, you know, that's not... 
that's not so necessarily unlikely. Now, I think, you know, time, as we see all this in Israel, and of course, no man knows the time or the season, but, but you know, we could, we could be right at the door of the Lord Jesus Christ coming back to get us. And I, I, I think we'd all here tonight would say, take me home, <laughs> you know. But, uh, but at the same time, at the same time, you know, God's leaving us here because He's got a job for us to do. You know, it, it be, it's a blessed thought to think we could step over into glory and see the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. But God's not through with us yet. But the thing about it is we need to be close to God and we need to be everything God would have us to be that He can use us. We need to be a vessel that's worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ, a vessel that, that God can use and we need to stay close to God and allow him to be God, let God to be God, and, and every man a liar. And we need, to, um, we need to allow God to work in our hearts and work in our life and help us to be all that He wants us to be. But then also, you know, we see there Habakkuk's burden, first of all, for his people but, and their sinful situation, but also burden that the Chaldeans were going to come in as God had told him, and he was burdened about about those people coming in and, and, you know, just, you know, and a lot of times, I'm, I had a friend years ago, hadn't seen him for a long time, but as we pray, we'd go down on the, we used to go to a Maple Ridge Baptist Church there in Candler, North Carolina, and we'd go, the Primitive Quartet would have, you know about them, don't you, Tom? <laughs> but the Primitive Quartet, you know, they'd have their singing in the summer and, and all of those things, and um, I forget where I was going with that. <laughs> but uh, well I guess the Lord didn't need me to say that but anyway then also as we look at, at Habakkuk's burden and then we, we also look at Habakkuk's vision we see in chapter 2 Habakkuk chapter 2 verse uh, 2 through um, 20 we see the vision that God had given Habakkuk and the word of God in uh, Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 3 the Word of God says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will, it will not tarry. And that's in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 3. But that vision had, was in three different parts. The first of all was the, the moral judgment of Jehovah upon the evils of dispersed Israel and, and how God was going to judge the, the, the Jews and we see that in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 5 through 13, and also verses 15 through 19. But then secondly, the future, another purpose of, of uh, the vision was the, the future purpose of God was, as it says in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 14, the Word of God says, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And then as we look also, if we turn to Isaiah Chapter 11, verses 9 through 12. And so Isaiah chapter 11, if I can get there. Verses 9 through 12, the Word of God says, and this, um, it says, They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, 
For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left. And look at all these places that they're going to come from. It says, from Assyria, and from Egypt, and from Pathros, and from Cush, and from Elam, and from Shinar, and from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations, and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel, and shall gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. And so these were the things that, these were two of the things that, um, you know, the, the judgment of, of Israel by God, and then also this future purpose that we just read about, where in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14, and then as we looked over here in Isaiah, talks about how the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. But then also what we've seen here about those, those people and, and that um, the Lord, uh, it says He'll set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel, and gather them together again, the dispersed of Judah from four corners of the earth. And so we see those two, but then also, while we're waiting for those things to happen, we see over here in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4, we see in, it says, the Word of God says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. And so what the Lord is saying is while we're waiting for those things to happen, we, the just shall live by his faith. And so we, we need to be a people of faith. We need to have faith in the Lord. And just as the title says, trust in God in the dark. And there's so many times that that God wants us to trust Him and we just fall so short. But we need to have faith and draw up close to God. And, and I need God to give me a greater faith. I mean, I've got faith, but I'm begging God to give me a greater faith that I will, as that title says, that I will believe Him in the dark and that I will trust Him in the dark. And so this, uh, this is really the key verse of Habakkuk here in chapter 2 and verse 4, the second part where it says the just shall live by his faith. But then also this is, statement is also repeated three different times in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 1, verse 17, Galatians 3.11, and Hebrews 10.38, where it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, the Word of God says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And then in uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, the Word of God says, But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And then over there in uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38, the third time it says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And so as we look at those verses and look at what we see, what God has shown us through uh, Habakkuk's burden and then Habakkuk's vision that God has given him, the Lord was teaching Habakkuk 
that he needed to learn to trust him in the dark. And that's what God is trying to teach us too. That we need to trust him in the, in the dark. And a lot of times, you know, we, um, as long as we're on the mountaintop, we feel like we can trust the Lord. But when we get in that valley and we, and we end up in the dark, we need to trust God as much in the dark as we trusted Him in the light because the God of the dark, God is still God, <coughs> whether it's in the light or whether it's in the dark. And, and God is still our God if we've been saved by the, uh, by the grace of God. But, uh, but anyway, God, God was in the process, just as He is with us, to teaching Habakkuk that he needed to learn to trust him in the dark. And, when, and then when Habakkuk learned this lesson, he discovered that God could be trusted. You know, a lot of times we go through some things. And like I said earlier, you know, there's things that God... You know, it's really God allowing us to go through some things. It's not that God's being mean-spirited or it's not that God doesn't love us. And it's not that God has left being good to us, but God knows what we need and more than we know what we need. That's just like in the life of Job, you know, and uh, Job went through all that he went through. And, you know, God knew what Job was made of, but he wanted Job to know what Job was made of. And a lot of times in our trials and the things that, that come on in our life and the things that God allows us to go through, God knows that we can make it with His help. We can't make it on our own, but we can make it from the help of God and through the Holy Spirit of God working in our hearts and working in our life. And so uh, when these trials come, uh, the Lord uses them to teach us to trust Him, just like He was teaching Habakkuk. And, and there again, just like in Psalm 77, as we look over here in Habakkuk and all the things that God was teaching Habakkuk, God gives us examples of men and women in, in the Word of God, that how He was teaching them to trust Him. And we have some great examples of how we can say, Lord, if You did it for them, You can do it for me. And we can just draw close to God and, and, and get even closer to God and say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. But with Your help, Lord, I can make it. I can be what You'd have me to be with your help, and that's what God wants to do in each and every one of our lives. But then finally, we see Habakkuk's uh, burden, we see Habakkuk's um, uh, vision that come from God, but then we see Habakkuk's prayer as we look over here in chapter 3, and it says in, in uh, uh, Habakkuk chapter 3, it says in, in verse 2, it, it was the prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, and it says, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath. Remember mercy. And so, as we see this verse and see how, you know, finally, you know, like I said, Habakkuk was burdened and he didn't understand why God uh, was going to do the things that he was going to do. But then he came to that point, as we see this prayer of Habakkuk, he came to the point of saying, Lord, you're still God. And you're still in control. And he, he came to that point of submitting himself to God. And, and Brother Helms the other night was talking about we needing to surrender. And that's what we need. We need to surrender and we need to submit to God and allow God to work in our hearts and our life. But, but we see here in uh, Habakkuk chapter 3, 
that he was praying to God. And look what he said. He says, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. And so uh, Habakkuk was praying for God to send a great revival that would touch the very heart of the nation of Judah. And as we think about it, that and we see what, what Habakkuk was, what God was allowing Habakkuk to go through, um, you know, that prayer that we would ask God to re- revise a, a revive us in the midst of years, that should be our prayer for our nation, beginning with our own heart. And of course, we've been having them cottage prayer meetings and begging God to do a work and begging God to send revival. And of course, we all know that that revival is going to uh, begin in our own hearts. And Lord, and, and then, you know, we need a, a corporate revival within the church, but it's going to begin with us. You know, it's... Uh, you know, unless we allow God to do that work in us and, and say, Lord, show me everything that doesn't look like the Lord Jesus Christ and show me what I need to do. This is we see oh, pretty much in Psalm 139. And, and, you know, we need for the Lord to show us. And, and but, but as Habakkuk was praying for that revival, we need to get our heart and our mindset on that, on the fact that, that we need revival. We need God to do something. And we, one of these days, it is going to be time when the Lord Jesus Christ steps out on a cloud and we, we go to heaven, you know, and it's going to be too late that that one that we should have witnessed to, that one that, that maybe God spoke to our heart and maybe we got too busy and maybe we weren't sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit of God and then God maybe wanted to uh, use us and then because we would not be what God would have us to be because we wouldn't allow God to use us the way He wanted to. Maybe He would use somebody else. Or maybe it would just be too late for that person. And we need, But we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. And, but we need to be definitely praying for revival. But then as we uh, get back to uh, Psalm chapter 77... As we look here at this psalm of Asaph in the first three verses in uh, chapter, uh, Psalm 77, verses 1 through 3, the Word of God says, I, Asaph is saying this, he said, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice. And He gave ear unto me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. And so Asaph was confident. He knew. He said it right there. He said, and, but he, he, he was confident that God heard his prayer. But the problem in Asa's heart was the fact that, that God did not answer him. And so we experienced the same thing a lot of times um, in our life. And we, we know that God hears us. But he doesn't answer. It seems like he's not answering. But we experience the same thing sometimes. And, and like I said, we know God hears us, but he seems not to answer. But we, we know in our heart that the Lord wants to hear from us. And, but the problem a lot of times is us. The problem a lot of times is me. That God doesn't answer, but maybe in a still small voice. And so maybe I'm not being as sensitive to the Holy Spirit as I need to be that I could hear the voice of God. But the problem sometimes is us. The problem sometimes is me. But God doesn't answer, um, but in a still small voice, and we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But many times, the problem, my problem is, I'm listening to my voice instead of listening for God's voice. 
And so, in other words, we need to listen to God's voice, just as He said over there in Psalm 46.10, to be still and know that I am God. And sometimes we need to be still and know that God is God. And so Asaph said that his soul, uh, in verse 2, that his soul refused to be comforted. Some things God does, there's, sometimes there's times that God doesn't explain some things, but He knows that they're going to be revealed in His time. And our problem is we get in a hurry. And we say, Lord, send revival and send it now. You know, or, or do this for me and do it now. And we get so impatient and we want God to work, but we want God to work in our timetable. You know, we've already got it all laid out and we get it down in our outline and ABC 1, 2, 3 and say, Lord, you know, if you'll just do it my way and just put the seal of approval on my plan, everything will be okay. But it's not according to our plan. It's not according to my plan. It's, it's according to God's plan. And so then in um, verse 3, uh, the psalmist remembered, and, and it says here in verse 3, it says, I remembered God and was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. And so when the psalmist remembered, he was troubled. He complained, and his spirit was overwhelmed. And so we have a lot of times... In our lives, I do, when God doesn't seem to answer, but we think God has changed. But it's not God that's changed, it's us that's changed. And God is right where He has always been. The problem is, we, uh, though we don't mean to, sometimes maybe we move away from where God is. But then as we see in, in Psalm 77, verses 4 through 6, uh, the Word of God says, Thou holdest mine eyes waking, I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. And so as we see there in, in uh, Psalm 77, verses 4 through 6, we see Asaph was troubled, and, and he, he can't sleep. He didn't know what to say. And then, But then Asaph considers, as it says in verse 5, uh, the days of old and the years of ancient times. He thought about what God had done in the past. And then in verse 6, um, the Word of God tells us that Asaph remembered. He remembered his song in the night. He remembered how music in the past had comforted his soul, but his heart would not be comforted. And there was no song in his heart. And so Asaph was so distraught. He was so overwhelmed. He was so burdened down for his life and for the life of his people. And it just seemed like even those songs that he used to sing before, or maybe he got that harp and was playing that harp, it just seemed like he, he couldn't hear God through all of that. But then as we look in uh, Psalm 77, verse 7 through 9, the Word of God says, Will the Lord cast off? And, and look at these questions that Asaph is asking. He says, Will the Lord cast off forever? Will He be favorable no more? In His mercy clean gone? Is His mercy clean gone forever? Doth His promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath He in anger shut up His tender mercies? And so we see here in, in verses uh, 7 through 9, we see in the grief of the psalmist, he asked these six questions as we just read them from the Word of God. 
But he was asking these things and what he was doing, he was questioning not just God, but God's character. And he had got so far away from God in his, in his burden, in his problem that he was in. And he began to, to ask these questions about God. But then, as we look at... But you know, a lot of times, let me just say this. A lot of times, as we read about these people in the Word of God, we can, we can be critical. And we can, we can say, boy, I wouldn't have done that. But, but as we look at those things, and we need to think about our own life, about how if we were in the place that Asaph was in, and would, would we be doing some of the same things? And maybe in the past, there's been times that we did go through that, where we did say, Lord, I, I, where are you? Have you forgotten me? Have you gone clean away from me? What about your tender mercies? Where is all that, Lord, that I've heard about all my life? But then look in verses 10 through 12. And so as, they, as we look at uh, Psalm 77, verse 10 through 12, the Word of God says, And I said, This is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember the wonders of old. And then in verse 12 it says, I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. And so there uh, Asaph said this. He said in the beginning of that, in verse 10 he says, he's, and he said this, he said, this is my infirmity. And he's, here's what he's saying. He's saying, this is where I'm at. But then the Holy Spirit of God opened his heart and opened his mind. But then that's when he said, but I will remember the years of the, of the right hand of the Most High. He began to see God again like he hadn't seen Him for a long time. He was under this burden, under this, uh, I don't know how to say it, other than what he was going through, being overwhelmed and all of those kind of things. And so uh, we need to remember what God, just like Asaph did, we need to remember what God has done for us. And we need to remind ourselves of what God has done in the past in our life. When we, if we get to that place, and sometimes maybe we will, you know, we need to, to realize and be, you know, um, we, need, we need to remember. Just like Asaph did, we need to remember some things, and we need to remind ourselves of some things and what God has done in our life. But then as we see in verses 13 through 15, where the Word of God says, I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O Lord, oh, am I, excuse me, thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. And so, as we see there, you know, Asaph had, had he was beginning to encourage himself in the Lord, and he began to praise the Lord. Boy, that's what we need to do when we get to that point where we're, it just seems like God is nowhere around. We just need to start praising God and lift up God and, and, and watch what God would do. 
But see, he began to praise the Lord for who he is and for what he had done, for being the God who redeems. And because he's our redeemer, as we look at our life, there's no reason for us to fear or doubt. Because as we look at those things, you know, um, you know, as God was their redeemer and God, if we've been saved by the grace of God, God is our redeemer. And so we need to realize if God's our redeemer, we don't have nothing to fear. But maybe fear itself. But and as the devil brings those things on, but we or doubt in our life, and so then as we finally we read, we look at um, that's a that's a good saying when somebody's hearing some preaching, but uh, but the and finally in verses sixteen through twenty, the word of God and 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 Asaph had had come to this point to remember some of the things in the past, what God had done, and says thou uh, rather. In verse 16, the waters saw thee, O God. The waters saw thee, they were afraid. The depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water, the skies sent out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lighted the world. The earth trembled and shook. Thy way is in the sea, and thy path is in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou ledest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And so as, as Asaph began to remind himself of how God had worked in the past, and of course we need to have this attitude. We need to have the attitude of saying, hey, if God did it before, he'll do it again. We just need to, to wait on God and allow God be God. But then, um, um, but as, as we look at those things, you know, and how God delivered Israel from Egypt and how he led them out. And then thinking about the thoughts that no doubt was going through Asaph's mind. Thoughts probably that if God could deliver Israel from Egypt, that he could deliver the people from the Assyrian or Babylonian captivity. This is where, and at this point, this is where fear gives way to faith. And so we need to be in that point. We need to allow God to bring us to that point that where that Fear can become faith. But as we, finally, as we apply this to our life, if we trust God to save us by His amazing grace, which we do when we get saved, we can also trust Him to deliver us from any trial or tribulation in our life. And a lot of times we get in a dark place and we don't know where to turn. We don't know what to do. But a lot of times I think we, we forget that we needed to snuggle up close to a holy God and allow God to help us in those times of struggle. And so as we, and then as we, like Asaph, as we begin to trust God in the dark. Let's pray.